Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, this is the last but one, the penultimate message this morning of who are you really? I want to read just from Galatians chapter 5 again this morning just to remind us of where we're at. Uh, Galatians 5 uh, in the New Testament is talking about the battle between the, the flesh, not so much this but the inner life, the bias to do wrong and the spirit. The spirit of God will always take us to God, it will always keep us in God And it will always keep us obeying the word of God. That's what the spirit of God can't do anything else. But there's a battle on. And um, uh, here in this uh, uh, passage, we, we, we read about the works of the flesh. But then it says in verse 22, But, or however, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such there is no law and so we've been using this title to ask the question deep in our hearts who are we really and um, as we've uh, journeyed this message um, we've we've been realizing afresh that a decision for Christ needs to lead to the journey of being a disciple of Christ it's the great challenge of the Christian faith if you said to me uh, what's in one word the greatest challenge of Christian ministry is always discipleship. It's getting people from saying, yeah, I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. To being a committed, devoted, learning follower of Jesus. That's what we all are. Matitis, the original word in the uh, language of the New Testament, a learner. Everybody here, you can be a Christian 30 or 40 years, if you've taken the L plates off, you've not understood discipleship because we're forever learning the ways of God, growing in Him. And in this message that we've been talking about, we've reminded ourselves that God wants us to produce much fruit. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples are inevitably fruitful. Disciples inevitably begin to answer that question in the affirmative. Who am I really? I am becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. Much fruit. Not a little fruit. But much fruit. And that fruit is the work of the Holy Spirit in his capacity as the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, working on the soil of our hearts. And when we allow the Spirit of God to do that, we increasingly and inevitably show the life of Jesus. If somebody says, I'm a Christian, and I've been a Christian for 30 years, there's no love, there's no joy, there's no patience, there's no goodness, there's something wrong. Have we got to where Jesus wants us to be? No, we're all on a journey. But we ought to be displaying the fruits of Jesus. We've said on a number of occasions in this series that if you're trying to do this in your strength by religion, because we're not a religious church, we're a relationship church, by trying hard, by curling yourself up in a ball, by thinking about what your New Year's resolutions are going to be, it's going to—it's doomed to failure. You're not going to do It's impossible. The works of the flesh will overtake the Spirit because the Spirit is not yet working you. But if you'll receive Jesus, 
and allow his indwelling spirit to work on the soil of your life, you will inevitably bear much fruit. How fruitful? Well, I'll say this carefully, but that's a little bit down to you. A.W. Tozer, a great 20th century prophet, says every person is as holy as they want to be. What he meant by that was that every provision for your holiness and Christ-likeness is fulfilled in the power of the cross. And the question this morning is, how much do we want it? Because if we want it, you're going to find that the Spirit of God is going to dig over the soil. He's going to go after those weeds. He's going to dig up those things that should have been dug up a long time ago. And he's going to keep working in your life to continually produce fruitfulness. And so this morning, having spoken last week, trying to deal with those two giant themes in that little time, but we got there, joy and, peace and, uh, and love. This morning, we're just going to concentrate on the fruit of faithfulness. In the joint service a couple of weeks ago, Christian dealt with gentleness, goodness and kindness. And so this morning, it releases us just to concentrate on the thought of fruitfulness. But the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. I'm going to share four things with you this morning. And uh, this, for me, is an understated quality. It really is. But I want to say this morning that if you want to be all that God's destined you to be, and by the way, Arena Church, I'll come to it later, want you to be all that God has destined you to be, you have to allow the Spirit of God to work in your life to begin to bear the fruit of faithfulness. So slide one, Chris. Point one, faithfulness, its explanation. There's a few points up there uh, which I'm going to run through because there are various aspects of the word faith in the New Testament. Here we've got Galatians 5.22, Hebrews 11.1, which many of you know, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And uh, there's, there's a word in the, in the original language, pistis, which uh, comes to apply to faith, but also to faithfulness. Faith being a firm persuasion and conviction. But almost all Bible commentators believe that the word in Galatians 5, and the more modern translations reflect it, is not so much faith, but faithfulness. So let me just go through these briefly. Number one, natural faith. Natural faith is an intellectual acceptance of facts and situations. There's not a Bible verse there, because this is what makes life work. So whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you are expressing natural faith right now. You see, you didn't walk in this morning thinking that Christine had come up with a cunning plan to get Alan to unscrew all the bolts on the chairs so that when you sat down this morning, you were going to crash to the ground. When you sat down this morning, you felt it was going to be a firm, secure sitting point for you. You expressed natural faith. Let me take you 35,000 feet up into the air where some of you have been in recent times on holiday and you never see that guy at the front. It's called the pilot. And uh, you know the pilot, all of them have got this suave home counties accent, haven't they? I mean, you can't imagine the British Airways pilot saying, hey, hold me up. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just not going to happen, you know. Um, and so they seek to put you at ease. I've realised that, you know, 
there's various reasons for that because for me, they, they only say three things. Number one, fashion your seatbelt because the next half hour is going to be, ooh. <sighs> Number two, you've gone to Spain and we know that the rain in Spain sounds mainly in the plane, but the day you arrive, it's chucking it down. And so he's trying to sort of just... And then number three, the apology for being four hours late. We hope it's not disturbing. Well, of course it's disturbed our holiday. You know, but you can see they're well-trained. Natural faith. Natural faith. And sadly, of course, when natural faith breaks down in a person, then the consequences are devastating. Uh, So they get locked into closed places. They can't go out. They can't function as a normal human being. And then the saving faith, Ephesians 2.8, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So God gives us the ability to believe in the living God. Remember when you got saved and never get used to being saved. You may have done it as a boy, a girl in Sunday school. You may have done it through a youth group. I was talking to a guy this week. And uh, he's just coming to the end of his ministry and he was talking about how he he became a Christian in a scout group. How that somebody at 14 years of age not only brought the guys together but explained that Jesus Christ was the saviour of the world, changed his life forever. I want to say, friends, that it starts there but who knows where it's going to go? Who knows where it's going to go? But by grace you've been saved. And then there's general faith. Hebrews, of course, is the chapter on faith. But there are many other verses in the Bible. The Bible says that we don't live by sight, we live by faith. I mean, if we have five pounds for every time somebody says, well, if you show me your God, I'll believe. But the currency of the Christian walk is faith. Faith. Jesus appearing to Thomas says, you believe now because you see me, but blessed are those that believe even though they don't see me. And the reality is that faith, the sure foundation we've just sang about, becomes so strong in our lives. It's as if we've seen God's general faith. And then there's the gift of faith, 1 Corinthians 12, 19, to another faith by the same Spirit. There's a supernatural element to that as there is to all the gifts of the Spirit. And in a moment, somebody's transported into a supernatural sense of belief in God that brings a breakthrough. And then the one that we're concentrating on this morning, the fruit of faith, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness, somebody says, is the cornerstone of God's reckoning. Faithfulness reflects God. Remember when we did the introductory passage, we said that every fruit of the Spirit reflects the Father and the Son. And in Lamentations, yeah, and it is a gloomy book, Lament, it's a giveaway. That's the. But one of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible is in Lamentations 3. It says, Because your compassions never fail, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness God cannot be anything other than faithful and so what does the word faithful mean well we're speaking of reliability constancy dependability loyalty being trustworthy these amazing qualities that make the Christian faith work in the good times and in the seemingly bad times In the times when the sun is shining down on me and the world's all as it should be, blessed be his name. But also when I'm found in a desert place, 
and I'm walking through the wilderness. God calls us to be faithful. Now, this flies as all the fruit of the Spirit do in the face of the flesh and the world. And a word that you hear repeatedly used in our modern day society is unfaithful. There are magazines that write stories about people that have been unfaithful. I was reading the other week of a lady that sadly had been sent to prison. She'd taken her company for tens of thousands of pounds. The audit manager, unfaithful. And so it goes on. And God has called us to live differently. So faithfulness and explanation. And then number two, faithfulness, it's progression. Luke 16.10 is in the good news books that Jesus was at centre of. And in Luke 16, we get a rather unusual story. We call them parables. Earthly stories with spiritual heavenly meanings. I don't have time to unpack the story this morning. Simply to say that the main reason it was told comes in verse 10. If you can be trusted, or some translations say, be faithful with little, you can be trusted and will be faithful with much. Faithfulness, it's progression. Our discipleship journey, our growing, you're going to have to listen to this carefully. I I, I can sense the flesh is going to keep back in one or two people, but I'm telling you, this 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 is true. In the journey you are going to have to make to come to the fullness of the fruitfulness of faithfulness, progressive steps. I'm going to say it. Your faithfulness will have to go through tests. And some people say, Tests. And they bulk right there and limit the fruitfulness of this right at the start. The Bible says in Hebrews that nothing is hidden in all creation from God's sight. The Bible says, as we saw in that Asa message a few weeks ago, that God's eyes are roving in the earth, finding those whose hearts are fully committed unto him. And so God is looking today and God is looking. And I'm sorry, if you want to be faithful and trusted by God with much, you're going to have to pass the test of the little. Please hear me this morning because I'm not even saying these are little, but please use them as illustrations. So stacking chairs, donning the big high-vis jackets, uh, making the tea. None of these things are unimportant and they all make Arena Church work this morning. I've had people come to me, no doubt you've come across them as well, saying, don't you know that my ministry is to speak? Well, all these ministries are speaking. They really are. You see, we've said so often that I can get up here well prepared and minister, but somebody that's come to the church has already made their mind up because nobody said hello. Somebody was rough and gruff at the car park. The coffee was useless. And by the time they've got here, they're already saying, I'm not coming to this church again. But if all that's good and this is good, we've got a chance that they might come again. Let me take you to my secondment in Manchester for 18 months. 
because there was a guy there that had a lot to say for himself. In fact, too much. And he was desperate for the platform. Too desperate. And then we came to the baptismal service where in the way that the baptistry was situated, there were about 140 chairs that had to be removed. I simply said, guys, I wonder if we could get a few people just to move these chairs afterwards uh, so we can get ready for the problem, uh, for, the, for the baptism. And all of a sudden we got a problem because this guy was nowhere to be seen. <clears throat> and I knew in my heart that we were going to have a problem, an issue. And a few months later, it outworked itself. He waited till I went on holiday and then left. You see, knowing that Agatha had let me know because he wanted to spoil my holiday. And he did, you know. Um, I've had more holidays spoiled, you know, by, because people always wait until they, they, you know. So, anyway, after a couple of days, I managed to navigate it and move on with what we're supposed to be doing. But you see, failed the test. Sorry, failed the test. And then let me tell you a story about Mahatma Gandhi. Now, I know he's not a Christian. Please don't get me at the door, Okay. <laughs> But the illustration works, okay? And those of you that know your history will know that he was a great uh, civil rights activist in India as they came out of the Raj, 1947, and, uh, and was one of the, uh, one of the uh, bulwarks of Indian independence, paid, paid an ultimate price, of course. But uh, 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 Gandhi's holding a religious retreat, and people are coming from all over the world, many, many nations. And an American Harvard... A college graduate arrived at this retreat and uh, Gandhi said to him, I want you to clean the latrine. And uh, this guy was boiling with rage, absolutely boiling with rage. He went on to say, don't you know who I am? And don't you know who my parents are? And don't you know that I've got wealth? And don't you know that I'm made for great things? Gandhi says, let's see if you're made for little things. See, faithfulness, friends, somebody said this, that faithfulness in little things is a big thing. Is a big thing. Now, let me say something. This church, our lead pastor, Christian, is passionate about people coming to all the fullness of their destiny. This is not seeking to keep people down. It's not being insecure about somebody that emerges as a preacher, a teacher, an amazing worship leader. We want to champion all of that. We want people, friends, to emerge out of the next generation that will be amazing in their ministry in this church and from this church. If that's your passion, that's your heart, that's amazing but it will never happen at the expense of you circumnavigating the tests of the little things so that God can trust you with the much. Believe me, it's a personal journey. It's a personal journey. The privileges I have today have come out of passing the tests of the little things. And you know what? I was, I was please, the team, I was driving up to the, uh, to, we, we do this uh, service for the, for the um, uh, senior citizens at, at uh, the Old People's Homes just up the road. And uh, we go regularly, and uh, we've got a great little team. Christine pulls it together. Uh, we somehow sing a cappella and manage to stay in tune. And, 
and you know we sing in the old hymns no good going there and singing what Annie's led us this morning not because anything wrong with that but they want blessed assurance and and God be the glory and and, and it's amazing uh, we, we say that the, the, the lady that runs it all says there's a residue from you coming for days afterwards, you know, because some of them, are, you know, all of a sudden they'll go back to chapel days, church days, and they, they're barely articulate and then they're singing. Anyway, I'm driving up sort of in the spring and I'm having a, I'm having a, a go with God, you know, uh, because I'm, I'm busy. I says, God, why am I doing this? I, I'm one of the pastors at Arena. I'm, I'm on the national leadership team of Assemblies of God. Why am I leading this? And he simply said, why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's absolutely true. And uh, I enjoy going up. You see, why not? It seems a little thing. And God's saying, you're going to still pass the test. You're going to still pass the test. We've got a lot of people, friends. They only function when they're on here. They fail the test of engaging with the worship. They fail the test of engaging in prayer. They fail the test of being on time. They keep failing the test. All they're bothered about is functioning on here. This is just part of it. Just part of it. But I tell you that if you'll allow God to continually dig over the heart of your life and be faithful, God, I'm telling you, there are people here, right, this morning need to hear this. God is going to take you into a new season and entrust you with big things simply because he's seen that you're faithful and he's going to give them to you. Number three, faithfulness. It's illustration. And so here's three people in the New Testament that are flagged up as being faithful. Timothy, of course, we'd recognize there are two books uh, that Paul wrote to his son in the faith, the young pastor, about 30 years of age, leading the Ephesus church, you know, he was a timid guy. Uh, he didn't seem as though his physical frame was very strong. Take a little wine for your stomach, stomach, stomach sake, etc. Uh, it seems as though he was a bit insecure about being a young man. Let no man despise your youth. But here we go. He's leading the church and he gets flagged up by Paul as saying that this man is uh, uh, faithful to the Lord. In Philippians 2.22, which is not up there, by the way, it goes on to say Timothy proved himself proved himself and then what about Epaphras well Epaphras is mentioned in Colossians 1 17 as a faithful minister of Christ this is the one church that the apostle Paul never even went to he never went to Colossae this guy planted the church this guy established the church and Paul wrote a letter to the saints in Colossae to encourage them in the faith read it Colossians just four chapters, New Testament. It's so 21st century, it's unbelievable. With people believing all sorts. I mean, we've got October the 31st coming up with folks believing all sorts. Colossians is a word for now. Because it's totally what theologians talk of, of being Christocentric. It's totally built around Jesus. And we so need to build our lives around Jesus. Epaphras is the pastor, the faithful minister of the church. And then what about Tychicus? Right at the end of Ephesians 6, on the back of the spiritual warfare passage, he says, Tychicus, my faithful servant in the Lord. You see, the apostle Paul believed in teams. He got the plaudits. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was the apostolic leader, but he couldn't do it without teams. Teamwork makes the dream work. It's amazing what we can achieve 
when he doesn't matter who gets the glory, dot, 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 it doesn't matter. But of course, in some churches, it does. That's the problem. And the apostle Paul gave away to his teams. And when he had chance, he commended them. He commended them. And what did he commend them for? For being faithful. And number four, faithfulness, its duration. Philippians, uh, Revelation 2.10, be faithful to the point of death and I will give you the victor's crown. Now let me just put an advert in, 15th of November, Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Over the years of the Bible, teach, uh, Bible school at, Arena, at, um, uh, at uh, Arena, we've done 20 New Testament books. And uh, I put off Revelation, I put off Revelation, I put off Revelation, I put off Revelation. Until I could put it off no more. So November the 15th at the Bible school night, we're going to do Revelation. I'm not sure whether it's going to be what you want, but that's where we're going. And there's still a lot of work to be done to get that ready. But anyway, that's where we're going. Revelation. But Revelation 2 and 3 speak about seven churches in Asia. And this verse is to the church at Smyrna, which is uh, uh, modern day Izmir in western Turkey. Some of you may have been to Turkey and, 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 and done sort of the, the journeys of the seven churches. And uh, there's, there's two thoughts to this. One is to the point of death in terms of naturally dying. But the other point, which I'll come to in a moment, is to the point of death because the church was under persecution. And so here's the challenge. Not just being faithful for a few weeks, not just being faithful for a few months, not just being faithful until you get into your 20s or your 30s or your 40s, not just being faithful as you become a senior citizen, but God has called us to be faithful whenever that is, unto death. And so in the first century church, the uh, emperor of uh, Rome, Domitian, was exercising a brutal regime across uh, the empire. Uh, many, many people, many Christian believers were required to complete a certification process that brought them to a place where they would confess Caesar as Lord. Imagine the predicament, because there's only one Lord, and his name's Jesus. And so, some of you have read about it, and you've seen the gladiator films, but it was real. Many, many Christians paid the ultimate price for their faith. Many of you would receive the Open Doors uh, booklet from our Open Doors rep here in the church, Kath Richardson, does a great job, a very, very credible uh, charity that supports the persecuted church in the earth. And this month's focus, as we come to the end of October, has been India. India. Now, there are many Christians in India, particularly in South India, in places like Kola. But of course, Hindu fundamentalism as well is very much at work, burning churches, taking pastors captive, etc. So there are 70 nations in the earth, friends, out of about 200. There are 70 nations in the earth where some sort of religious freedom is compromised because of persecution. Now, some of those it's relatively mild and others it's more difficult. What I'm trying to say this morning, not to make us guilty, but to make us grateful that even in our nation, we can still meet to worship the Lord this morning in freedom. The secret police, the stars are not going to walk in the, here and take me away. I know some of you want it, but they're not going to take me away. You know, we still have freedom of worship. 
And of course, our heart breaks over another religion meeting yesterday in Pittsburgh where they were exercising their freedom of worship. And we pray for that Jewish community that God will help them. So what I'm saying is that if it's tough at work at times, if people get on your case, if it's not always easy, if you've got to seemingly walk through a minefield about what you can say and what you can't say, be encouraged to stay faithful. Be encouraged to stay faithful. Keep going for it. Be faithful unto death. Polycarp was a great Christian leader and he was the bishop of the Smyrna church. And He said these words, I have served my Lord for 80 Six years. He has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme the king who loved me? This week we had a a degree of poignancy as I'm getting this message ready because uh, we heard uh, from across the seas uh, that Sharon's, one of Sharon's brothers, that emigrated to Australia nearly 50 years ago now. So he became, he, he took his children. And uh, his youngest, his youngest uh, son is a, is a full-on Aussie, but I, I always remind him he was born in the UK. Um, but <laughs> he was a little baby when they went. And uh, grandchildren, as Julie was saying, and all of that. And uh, Terry has been to this church on more than one occasion because he, he took retirement in his early 60s. And uh, they took the opportunity uh, on the back of a successful career to travel the world. Uh, but this week, at 74 years of age, we hear that he's passed on. And... Um, and we're confronted again with eternity. Uh, and uh, Terry would never have stood on a platform. He would have never given a prophetic word in the church. Uh, but he was a faithful man. Uh, he, he went with a, a heart to have an aspiration in his heart. But he, he kept faithful to God. And all those 50 years in Australia, he was faithful to his wife. He was faithful to his family. And he was faithful to the local church that he belonged to and we thank God that for that faithful unto death so we come to our final verse and it's on the back of Matthew 25 that some of you will know it's another Jesus story where Jesus speaks about faithfulness you remember he gives the talents 10 5 1 and the guy that was given the least clung on to it oh it's my mine 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 And ultimately, he lost it. He lost it. And uh, as I was thinking of this verse, I I was thinking of the uh, amazing emergency services and armed forces that uh, serve our nation. And of course, in two weeks' time, we'll take appropriate uh, moments to uh, remember those on Remembrance Sunday. But I I was thinking, I was thinking last night, I, I was thinking about this terrible thing that's emerged outside the Leicester City football ground last night. My Lord, and the emergency services rushing into that burning inferno without thought of themselves. We're so blessed. And we know things go wrong at times. We know people sometimes have to wait too long for ambulances. But we have amazing public servants that do as well. I was thinking about people confronted with raging fires, fermenting seas, a a tense standoff. I was thinking about soldiers in the heat of the battle. And they often heroically serve and as we've seen in the Invictus Games this week, that Prince Harry has initiated terrible costs physically to many of our serving soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan in recent years. And thank God that they found sport to be some sense of healing for them. But what very often happens, and those of you that have served in the public services and the armed forces will know that very often 
Uh, once all this has been dealt with, uh, you'll be called before your commanding officers and you'll receive a citation. And a citation is simply a, a description and record of praiseworthy acts and deeds. And sometimes it will be uh, within a beautiful frame and signed by a, a person of importance to remind uh, of a day when people were worthy of being honoured for uh, praiseworthy and faithful acts. I was thinking about all that. I was thinking about Terry. I was thinking about the fact that one day, every one of us are going to have to stand before God. And not in a morbid way, but where the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And that every one of us are going to have to give an account for our faithfulness or lack of it. And I can't think of a better citation than to stand before the living gods. Nobody in this world would have known you. You didn't get your name in Christianity today. <clears throat> you never had a Twitter feed. And if you did, you had nine followers and you were always insecure, you know. <laughs> Nobody knew about you. But you stand before the living God. He says, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. There is nothing that beats that. There is nothing that beats that. And so I ask us today, friends, in an often unfaithful world where there are many temptations around to go that route, I ask us today to be people who, if we've never given our life to Jesus this morning, by grace will be saved. And we'll commence the journey of allowing the Spirit of God to dig over the soil of our hearts and we'll stay faithful. If you're serving in Arena Church and you've gone through one of those moments of, well, nobody seems to take any notice of what I'm doing. I'm unappreciated. I might as well not do it anymore. I might as well tell Christian that. Stay faithful. Because actually people see it more than you realize. And he always sees it. He always sees it. When you're tempted to walk away from a trying situation rather than walking through it, stay faithful. Because the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And may every one of us go on a journey and continue the journey of being just that. Because one day we receive the greatest citation of ever that affects all of eternity. Well done. Good and faithful servants.